so I think a lot of it was just those, those little baby steps forward, which is what we always tell our, our clients and our dog owners, um, you know, yes. when you're teaching your dog something, just, just little steps at a time. And before you know it, they're going to be like way ahead of where you thought that they could have been. Um, so it's kind of just applying a lot of that mentality to my own confidence building and all that. Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In today's episode, I am talking with dog behavior trainer, Laura Gendron, aka Miss Behavior. In our conversation, Laura shared with me the journey that she's been on this year to build her confidence to the point where she is totally comfortable doing live videos, hosting an online dog training membership program, and even appearing on Good Morning America. This year has certainly forced a lot of us to change how we run our businesses. And if you are still struggling to put yourself out there online, Laura is here to help you make courageous moves in your pet business. She created a PDF resource just for you, my listeners, all about how to build your confidence and work up to doing live videos to promote your pet business. Grab the freebie at misbehaviortraining.com slash WWR. I also got to pick Laura's brain about her online membership program for pet parents. All of the resources that she mentions at the end of this episode are now added to the Wear, Wag, Repeat resource guide. You can always get access to that at wearwagrepeat.com slash guide. And if you already have access, remember to bookmark that Google Sheet because I am always updating it. Laura Gendron, owner of Miss Behavior, founded her dog training business in 2008. She graduated from the University of New Hampshire with a bachelor's degree in psychology and an associate's degree in animal science. Laura has always had an entrepreneurial spirit and as a solo business owner and mom of two kids has spent much of her time in business, not only actively training dogs and working with clients, but also learning how to prioritize time and nurture her business by growing her reach and presence online. With a strong belief in teaching, training, lifelong learning, and community over competition, Laura's goal within all of her training services is to communicate and collaborate effectively in a way that serves clients and other pet professionals where they currently are. Hi, Laura. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really good. I'm excited to get to know you on this episode here. Um, I'm just going to give our listeners like behind the scenes peek of how we kind of met, um, you reached out to me via email and sent me a video um, telling me who you are and why you'd be such a great guest on the podcast. And no one's ever done that before. It was really cool. Yeah, no, I'm glad you liked it. I had um, I had heard about it through another group, and but I had never thought to do it. And <laughs> I wouldn't have done that a year ago. So um, it was, I thought... Uh, somewhat unique way of going about it and just letting you see a little bit of who I am and what my personality is like right from the beginning. (laughs) Right. Well, and like, especially for a podcast, like if anyone listening wants to pitch themselves for a podcast, like 
I could like see kind of how you talk and like see that you are a good talker <laughs> and and would be a good podcast guest. So um, that was very cool. What um, what kind of program did you use to do that? I just use my Filmora, just my video. I do a lot of video editing now for clients and all that. So I just use my um, my regular Filmora video editing program and just made a little quick little video like that. And I tried to just keep it and I wasn't going to do multi takes or anything like that. I just want it to be very natural. So I just put it on and hit record and go. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very, very cool idea. Um, well let's backtrack a little bit. Um, cause I got excited, but (laughs) tell us, tell us about, um, about your business. Uh, and you know, you've been training, working with training dogs for, a while now. Um, how did you get started in, in doing that? I, I think it's really interesting that you went to school for psychology. Um, that probably is really helpful with animal training. Um, but how did you decide to become a dog trainer? So I went to UNH um, and I went into just the big giant classes, like the biology and the chemistry. And there were 400 people in each of those classes. And I was so lost because I came from a school of, I think I graduated with 94 people in my high school. So to go from a small school like that, and actually my middle school and elementary school, I think there were 20 people. So I went from 20 people, 90 people, and then like 400 just in a class. So it was huge for me. And so I felt really lost. So I actually ended up dropping out of that um, particular school within UNH. And I moved over to the associates program, which was very hands-on. It was a two-year program. So I got to actually work with the animals um, and not just look at them in books. So that felt much more natural for me. And it felt like I could actually focus on that, much smaller classes and all that. And um, so then I ended up getting my two-year degree. But while I was getting my degree, I had to do an internship because it was so hands-on. So I ended up doing the internship at the New Hampshire SPCA at the shelter. And um, I loved it. And I got addicted to it. And I actually had met a dog through there, which became, you know, the one that gets you started. Um, <laughs> and so I got to know her and I got to know how to, you know, how to help her and how to modify her behavior. And then I got addicted to behavior from there. And I started teaching classes actually while I was still in college. So I started pretty early. I started with a friend. I don't think I would have done it had I been by myself. I think I would have been way too nervous to teach classes while I was still pretty much learning about the behavior. Um, so, but I did it with a friend and we both got really addicted to it. And we ended up um, each starting our own businesses because we kind of went to separate locations. And um, yeah, that's kind of how I got started in general. But then I decided to move from my associate's degree program, which was essentially like veterinary technician type stuff. Um, and then go for my psychology degree also, because I really loved learning about learning, just sort of like how it all works. So I got my psychology degree. Um, so I ended up graduating with both, but then I just kind of created my own path from there. (laughs) So I didn't really do anything specific with either of them. I just kind of made them into (laughs) my own thing. So, yeah. Well, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, I'm not a professional animal trainer or behaviorist, but I do know from being at a lot of group training classes that 
dog training is mostly people training, really. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes you see people and you're like, oh, that person needs a lot of work. The dog's great. Right. <laughs> but the person is going to have to work on this. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, um, it's, you know, a lot of it is the people. I mean, I can't say the dogs are always completely off the hook because sometimes they really can mm-hmm. throw us for a loop. But, um, but, you know, if we can get the people sort of being flexible and thinking outside the box a little bit and feeling confident behind what they're doing, then that certainly makes a huge difference for the dog on its own, too. Yeah. Would you mind um, like taking a second and talking about the difference between behavior training versus like obedience training? Um, you know, what the, what the difference is and and why you focus on behavior training? Yeah. So for obedience, um, that kind of brings me, it sort of is how you, your mindset about it, sort of how you look at it. So when you think of obedience, a lot of people think of, um, you know, the sit, stay, heal, um, you know, come down, all that, like do this right now sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, so even just hearing the word obedience versus manners makes a big difference for people in their mindset. So I work with a lot of family dogs, um, as opposed to like sport dogs or something along those lines. I never really got into the competition side of things. Um, it was just a little bit too intense for me. I really like to just kind of do the stuff that was more for fun, like the tricks and the games and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but with that, with family dogs comes a lot of behavior issues also, because we're trying to take maybe one dog and then we're trying to mix it into all of these people who are always changing and maybe growing or expanding, multiplying. And then maybe we take another dog and we're trying to mix multiple dogs into the same household and then some cats and maybe some birds, (laughs) you know, so we're taking all these creatures and trying to make them all live with each other, um, amicably at least. And, um, and, you know, we want the bond to be there and we think back to our own childhood and the dogs that we had back then and how things are so different now with our dogs that we have now versus our childhood dog. And some of it is that we just forget what things were really like back then, or we weren't aware of it. Um, but other times there's that one dog that really set the bar really high. And so we're always comparing our future dogs to that. So I find that a lot of the behavior problems, it's not really so much that there's a huge difference between behavior problems and obedience or manners, any of that sort of stuff. It's really just our mindset around it. Um, but I really love digging into, um, the mystery behind the behavior problem. So like sort of taking all the little puzzle pieces and putting them together. And so when it comes to manners, it's one thing to teach your dog how to do something, but it's another thing when you dig into the behavior problems, when you're thinking about, okay, well, why won't it work here? Or what, what happened over here? Or how can I make, um, this one behavior problem work in this environment? but it looks so different in another environment. So kind of just piecing all that together. And then I also have worked in the veterinary field for almost 10 years as well. So part-time, but taking some of that medical knowledge also and piecing that into the puzzle. So it's this whole big puzzle. So I really, I love solving little mysteries. I was always really into the mystery shows and all that. So, (laughs) So I think that's why it just kind of sits so well with me that I really, I enjoy the behavior problems and I enjoy the family dog dynamics. Yeah. Well, it sounds like just a very holistic approach, which is like such a buzzword, but, <laughs> um, but it, it is true. And I, and I really like the whole like 
problem solving puzzle puzzle piece kind of analogy that you had too. Um, like with my own dog, Bert, yeah, he can do sit. I taught him to go down. You know, when I first rescued him, he couldn't do down at all. It took like a while. <laughs> um, because in the shelter, that's just wasn't something they did with him on the regular. Um, so he was able to learn those like obedience things. But then now, like after he, he's been with us for two years, um, he has kind of developed, it's kind of gotten worse how he feels about the UPS truck. <laughs> um, and at first I thought he just hated the UPS truck. And, you know, they, everyone's like, oh, well, of course, you know, they, the dogs bark at them and then the truck always leaves. So it's like a guaranteed reinforcement. Um, but then like, I don't know, just problem solving and, and putting the puzzle pieces together. I have discovered that I think he's really afraid of the UPS truck. Um, and you know, when we walk around the neighborhood, if we see the truck, he like freaks out at it. But if, if we try to go near it, he doesn't want to like catch it or anything. Like he gets afraid and kind of cowers. And so I don't know whatever happened to him around that truck, but, um, or around a truck like that. But um, it, it's really interesting. You have to kind of, there's a lot of nuance and you got to pay a lot of attention um, to to your dogs to kind of figure that out. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, I'll tell you a quick little story because had I not, if I didn't see this happen, I kind of would be in that same situation of like, well, what's with the UPS truck? Other than, yeah, that self-reinforcing, like where the dog... Um, thinks, oh, well, I scared that truck away or I made him go right. away because he didn't know they were going to leave anyways. But so there was one day that um, my dog, my old dog, Felix, was alive and he was in um, one of our older houses and the UPS guy came and he opened the door really fast and then it slammed. And when it slammed, there happened to be a gate that was just sort of resting on the wall that was right there. So then the gate fell over. And so Felix just like jumped 10 feet in the air, I swear. And it went flying around the corner because the whole thing just spooked him so badly. And from then on, he was horrified at the sound of the UPS truck just coming down the road at all. And you know, they can hear them from like a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> well, now know. I can hear the UPS truck from a mile yeah. away. I've developed like canine hearing because <laughs> I can tell the difference between their engine and any other truck's yes. engine. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's a, such an interesting story. Like I just, Bert was actually a stray in like a rural area, um, before he was picked up. And so I just wonder if, you know, something, something happened that he got like run off the road by them or something. Yeah, definitely possible. And sometimes just, you know, lack of exposure to these things because dogs can look like they were abused. One of the top things that I'll hear from, um, pet owners or dog owners specifically is, you know, my dog was a rescue and he's afraid of me when I reach out to him. So he must've been abused. But to be honest, if the number of dogs who look abused were actually abused, like half of the people we know would have abused animals at some point in their life. So it's just not, it's not usually true. It's usually just the um, lack of that early socialization during their critical period. But it's just mm. little things like that where, you know, it kind of, it's relief for the owners to even hear that, that it's not that their dog was actually put through any physical abuse in their life. It could just be that they just weren't exposed to these things. So it's hard to, hard to know for sure what happened in their past, but it is always an interesting puzzle to try to piece together. Yeah, that is interesting. And that is reassuring too. 
Do you ever discover a fabulous new tool to run your business and wonder why you didn't know about it sooner? That used to happen to me all the time. Luckily, through this podcast, I've asked over a hundred women what their favorite tools, apps, and resources are to run their pet industry businesses. I put their recommendations in one place, and I'm so happy that I can share that list with you. Discover over 150 apps, tools, and even the best squeaker to get the perfect doggy photo. It's all in the Wear, Wag, Repeat resource guide. The guide is totally free. Just go to wearwagrepeat.com slash guide, and you can get your paws on it. Um. Okay. Well, so, all right, we're going to just talk about dogs for like hours. Um, so we better change topics and talk a little bit about, um, about some of the other stuff that you do, um, especially, you know, helping people build up their confidence. And you recently, you were telling me that you've recently worked on your own confidence a lot, especially in regards to talking on video and doing live videos. Um, and I think you were even on ABC earlier (laughs) this year. Um, so tell us a little bit about, um, about all of that. Um, how does that play into your life and your career? So, okay. So since 2008, I have been pretty much doing classes and in-home stuff. Like I've been going to people's homes. I've been training their dogs, half halfway training their dogs for them and all that. So then COVID came and I was at a conference when it came. I was at the, um, the Clicker Expo and it ended up getting canceled when I was there already. So it was really disappointing. So I flew home after a couple of days of not being able to get a flight. But so I flew home and it was just kind of like, okay, well, so when is this going to end? How long is it going to be? And of course, at that time, nobody knew. So I was like, all right, well, I've got to do something because I'm not the type to just be able to really sit still for very long. I like to always be doing something, moving forward in some way. So um, I had been making some videos of me training um, the dog owner's dog in their home. So I had been making probably a good amount of videos up to that point, but it was just me training the dog. It was really just for the owner. Um, but with the editing I had been doing and the fact that now I was like, okay, well, now I have all these videos. I can teach people through these videos, but I have to figure out a bridge there. Like, how am I going to actually get it to them and all that? So I was working with all these clients when COVID hit. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to just start um, start offering some videos to these clients of like other dogs that I've taught these specific skills to and all that. So I started doing some voiceover videos and I started asking for videos from the owners and having them send them to me and all that. And I started that pretty much right away, like in March. And, um, then I started having issues with clients who didn't know how to use Zoom at that point. Of course, I'm sure everybody knows how to use it now, but um, they didn't know how to use Zoom at that point. So then I decided to make a little um, video or a presentation about how, how to use Zoom. So I did that. And then before I knew it, all of a sudden, you know, I'm using my own dog, Willow, in a bunch of videos, just showing them how to do certain things. And I'm getting questions and I'm answering questions. I'm like, okay, well... So I'll make this video and that video. So I'm making a bunch of videos, but again, they're going to these like one-on-one clients only. So then I figured, okay, well, this COVID's not really going away anytime soon. So why don't I start 
offering it to groups of people. So I started doing that. So it was just like these little steps forward that I made. So I started with where I was feeling confident. And then I started putting myself out there a little bit more, a little bit more. And then I started a program where um, people, one at a time, they would drop off their puppy at my house and I set it up, you know, COVID style. And my kids would actually help me with the training itself. And so we would make videos together. And I would put those on social media and I would do these live broadcasts on social media. I would show um, in real time how to get a corgi to lie down, which is really difficult to do <laughs> when you're trying to do it live. It's like, okay, I don't know if there's going to be an end to this video ever, but <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and keep trying because it was always so close. And so, you know, between all the lives I was doing... And then all the videos I was making, putting them out there and getting on social media and sending little voice clips to clients when they had a question instead of writing to them. And then, you know, so this, this and this, you know, they're all adding up over time, like these little building blocks. So then um, I had actually just posted something in a Facebook group to somebody who had asked if anybody had made a um, pivot in the pandemic, if anybody pivoted their business. And so I replied to that. And then... Um, Next thing I know, it was a producer that I had apparently replied to, and she wanted to do a piece on Good Morning America. So I was like, oh, okay, sure. Um, this is terrifying. Like, this is not one little step up the <laughs> in the blocks. This is like a big jump for me. So, but it's, she didn't want to come to my house to do it. She wanted me to basically send her specific videos and then do an interview, and they were going to piece everything together. So let me tell you, like six months ago, especially pre-COVID, I probably would not have picked up the phone to call her back, <laughs> never mind actually do the whole thing. So I did. I did it. And I um, decided at that point, you know what, I'm either all in or I'm not. So I ended up creating a membership and um, and going from one-to-one to the sort of more of the membership model mm -hmm. and scaling in that way. And just between all of that, it's amazing how like all those little pieces put together have gotten me to, you know, pitching myself by video to podcasts and, you know, going on, going on the GMA segment. And most people who watched it, the number one thing they said was that I looked really confident. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> that's not really how I felt, but <laughs> I'm glad that it looked like that. So, um, so I think a lot of it was just those, those little baby steps forward, which is what we always tell our, our clients and our dog owners, um, you know, yes. when they're teaching a dog something, just, just little steps at a time. And before you know it, they're going to be, like way ahead of where you thought that they could have been. Um, so it's kind of just applying a lot of that mentality to my own confidence building and all that. It all comes back to dog training. <laughs> it does. It does. It always does. Training, training, training. <laughs> I mean, it's the perfect analogy for everything. Mm -hmm. um, well, I love that story. I have like so many thoughts. Um, first of all, okay, my favorite thing of the pandemic, if that's okay to say, oh, yeah. is that um, I love seeing the inside of everyone's house on TV. <laughs> um, that's my favorite thing of 2020. Um, <laughs> I just think it's really cool. And I think that it's, um, you know, having like huge productions like Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert, like they were broadcasting from home and their broadcasts were like not excellent <laughs> right? Yeah. at the beginning. They got better. Um, but like, especially Jimmy Fallon, his kids were like crawling on his head and his wife was <laughs> filming it and their dogs were like stealing the papers and stuff. Um, and I think that like kind of normalized 
video for a lot of us. Um, we're like, well, if, if Jimmy Fallon's video looks like this, like I could probably do a video. Um, and I just, I think that's been one of the really cool parts, um, about this year. Um, but then I also, okay. So I want you to talk a little bit about your, your membership, because I feel like that is something I've been hearing people throwing around a ton lately. Um, and it seems to apply really well to, um, dog training businesses or, um, you know, anyone who's kind of like teaching something on a long-term basis. Um, you know, so, so tell us a little bit about how that membership program works. So, yeah, so I started it with a course and I was like going to, you know, just take people through the course and help them out along the way and answer questions. And I, so I did that. I did like a beta launch of that to see how that would go. And that was great. Um, but afterwards it was kind of like, okay, well now what? So we did the course. So do I have to keep making a course for these specific people or could I put things into a membership where you pay monthly a reasonable fee and then, you know, there's, there's an implementation. So basically the way that I do it is I have the membership itself, um, where when people are in there, they get like one new challenge every month. And I've been having so much fun with that. So like the first month it was, um, a recall challenge, you know, so come when called, but we kind of take that same confidence building Lego brick type mentality. That's what I usually will refer to it as like taking Lego bricks and building them Mm -hmm. up on each other, right? So I take that same Lego brick mentality and apply it to my challenges. So, you know, just little pieces at a time, short little wins for people. But by the time the the month is over or the 14 days or however long the challenges is over, they've got a much better behaved dog on the other side. Um, So, you know, I'll do a challenge every month. I'll do a group coaching where we dig more into like mindset stuff. Like we might talk about body language or we might talk about setting training goals and how to break down your goals so that you can have a plan for training. Um, And then... So the group coaching, the, the course itself is about, um, manners. So it kind of, it's like the content core, you know, like it's where all the, you know, here's how you teach sit. Here's how you teach down. Here's how you teach stay and all that. Because what you'll find is that you're going to run into these behavior problems. And so whatever brings you into the membership, there's something within those manners that can be a great replacement for a lot of those behavior problems you're dealing with. So I like to look at the, um, the manner stuff as sort of the core foundation to, you know, what you can refer back to when you're trying to deal with these behavior problems too. So, um, you know, looking at incompatible behaviors. So if your dog is jumping, then, well, what if you teach it to sit, right? That's kind of the classic. But what if you teach it to play dead? I mean, that's a big one. too. <laughs> like It's just, you know, they can't do both of those things at the same time. So um, I try to take people through the mindset within the membership. I think that's really important, especially if they're trying to do it at home. It's one thing for me to go to their house and show them how to train their dog or even partially train their dog for them. It's another thing for them to, you know, at 4 a.m. if they have to take their dog outside and there's a skunk and their dog sees the skunk, can you call your dog off that skunk at 4 a.m.? Or do you need to call a trainer? to have them do it for you. It's just kind of like you need to be able to do this stuff on your own time at home. So that's one of the biggest um, things I'm trying to get through to people that, you know, you need to have the confidence to do this on your own. And yes, there's a benefit to having a trainer come over and help you. Of course there is. 
But um, at the end of the day, it's you and your dog and you need to be able to do it. So it's a lot of it's about that. So like this month we've been doing um, the what's called the pause off challenge. So it's all about jumping, but it's really breaking the jumping down into management pieces. And, you know, how does your dog do when you just put their leash on and all that sort of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I'm finding that those specific topics, if I have one specific topic every month that really digs that we can dig into, that's making a huge difference for people too. Cause they're like, I can't believe in, you know, this, this last one's like 14 day challenge. I can't believe in 14 days we've gone from, you know, dog a in the very beginning to dog Z at the very end. And it's a big, much bigger difference. So that's so cool. And I, I, that's really nice to kind of like make it specific, even like, I mean, my challenges that I do are very different because I host a challenge on like how to, you know, grow your Pinterest or mm-hmm. how to create an online product or something like that. Um, but like the more specific you can make it and like when I do my challenges, I think like each day I want the task to only take 15 minutes because if you give people something that's like too overwhelming, they might just not do it at all. Um, so it is nice to kind of break it down. Um, what do you, what kind of like platform do you use to host your membership? Uh, I use Member Vault. I love Member Vault. They have the best customer service ever. <laughs> and that's like a WordPress plugin, I think, right? No, it's actually it's separate. It's completely separate oh. from WordPress. They have their own um, platform and it's really... I'm thinking of Member Press, I yes, think. Something, yeah, yes. there's a one that has Member in it. Um, that's a pretty common one for WordPress. But no, this is Member Vault and it's, um, it's almost equivalent, I think, to one of those other ones that... Um, Oh, now I'm blanking on the names of them, but like Thinkific or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's almost equivalent to that. But uh, Member Vault, it's a it's a newer one. I'm not sure how long they've been out now, but at least I would say probably five years. But but with that being said, um, their their customer service is awesome because like you can go in and ask any question, and they will personally answer it because it's not this massive platform yet. Yeah, so that's nice. It's great. Yeah, I love it. So you can put videos, people can like interact on like message boards and send each other notes and stuff. Yeah. So the only, the only thing that they don't have right now is the community side of it. So, um, but you can do videos, you can do, you know, PDFs, downloads, you can embed a bunch of different things. And there are ways to embed a community in there. It just doesn't have its own built-in community. So I actually use just the Facebook community for the community part of it. And then Mm -hmm. everything else is on Member Vault. And then um, they get lots of like checklists of how to work their way through Member Vault through all the courses and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but it's pretty intuitive otherwise. um, And it works with all the different email systems that you could have and all that and and Acuity or any other um, like a Calendly type thing. So, um, so I do Mm -hmm. love it. Other than the community thing, I think one day. The payments too. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You can manage payments through, um, like Stripe and PayPal. I think not Square yet, but that's in the process. So that should mm-hmm. be out soon. Really cool. Well, okay. So, um, you've been on this amazing journey <laughs> this year of building your confidence. Like you said, these like little building blocks. So, um, if someone is listening to this and they're like, I wish I could do that, but I just like don't feel like I have the confidence to take that step. Do you have a maybe like bonus little PDF that you have for them, perhaps? <laughs> I do. I do. How did you know? Um, <laughs> Just so subtle there. It's amazing. Yes. And it's very, it's very visual too. So I have, I have a PDF that can be downloaded and I'll give you the website. Um, but basically it is, 
a bunch of different Lego bricks and they are built up on each other and each Lego brick has its own little task associated with it. So you can kind of go through and you can start at the bottom and you just build your way up. And by the end of it, you're, don't get scared, but you're doing a live video. <laughs> um, but you're doing it in a really easy way where you're basically starting off with either your own private Facebook group as an example, or you can actually do live videos that only broadcast yourself as well. Um, so it just sort of breaks down a bunch of different steps. So I'll give you the website if you want that. And yes, is, um, so I put it on misbehaviortraining.com slash WWR. Very conveniently. Right. <laughs> so everybody go check that out. Misbehaviortraining.com slash WWR. And you can get this great PDF that's going to give you the building blocks to be more confident and do live videos. And, and like you said, you know, you can kind of put your toe in by doing a live video that only goes to yourself or to just like two people. Um, you can set up like little lists on, on Instagram that, you know, it will only go to a couple of people. So that's very, very cool. Um, well, Laura, thank you so much, um, for joining us today. And if anyone wants to learn more or see some of your videos, where can they find you online? So I am now on Facebook and Instagram. I'm very proud to say both under misbehavior training. <laughs> um, I got them both to line up after multiple weeks of trying that. It's not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> no, I had to do a waiting period and it was a whole thing. <laughs> so, so misbehavior training on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, I am still misbehavior NH for New Hampshire on YouTube. And then uh, misbehaviortraining.com is my main website. And I am on Facebook and Instagram very actively almost all the time. Too much, too often, probably, according to my kids <laughs> and my husband. So, yes. It's your business. Right. You know? It's my baby. <laughs> yeah. You got to do it. Yes. Um, well, thank you so much again for being on the show. And um, I'm really excited to check out that PDF and for everyone else to download it too. Thank you very much, Tori. I appreciate it. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at teamistic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or Join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.